How's everybody doing? Good. Come on, you guys ever want any feedback from your crowd? How are you guys doing? All right, come on. Uh, hey, I'm Jason. This is my wife, Melissa. We pastor a church called Home. We were the original church to say, welcome home, okay? All of you that say that owe us royalties, okay? So uh, we're in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, this is, I just met all of these guys just a moment ago, and I'm supposed to host this room, and so let's see if I get this right. This is Aaron, Earl, this is Earl, Josh, Aaron, Ronnie, and Greg, come on. And so... uh, we, we, these guys are going to teach us a whole lot about budgeting, and so thank you guys for being here, and thank you guys for sharing. Oh, we're honored to be here. Good, good. Hey, thanks, everybody. I'm Greg, and I'm just going to kind of facilitate some questions. Uh, these guys are really the experts, and so let me, know you, let me let you know who we kind of have on the panel and why they're on the panel. So this is uh, Mr. Ronnie Bennett. Uh, he's a CFO here at Highlands Church, and they've done a couple things right. And so I think you'll appreciate getting to know their story a little bit and some wisdom they've gained along the way. Uh, and then you've got three pastors who are doing it. So you got an executive pastor, CFO, maybe in your church, or an executive pastor or a, a business administrator. And then we got some pastors. We want to bring a little balance. So the pastor's going to spend the money. He's going to figure out how to raise it and put it in the right buckets, okay? So that's going to really help us framework today's conversation. So a lot of our questions that we'll tee up for them they're going to answer from their lane and how they serve at their church and their ministry and their context. And each of them are in a different place along the journey. Uh, so before we jump in, I'd love to get to know who's in the room. And that will really help these guys know how to answer the questions well um, as well. So how many of you are lead pastors? Lead pastors. That's awesome. We love coming into a room, talking about money and lead pastors show up. Um, that's awesome. Uh, how many executive pastors, CFOs, business administrators? Okay, cool. So mostly church staff. That's awesome. Okay, cool. We're going to jump in. In the last probably 20 minutes or so, we will uh, frame that for your questions. So be, go ahead and thinking about now, hey, what's the one thing you'd like to know based on the experience in the room with us? Uh, and then we'll do our best to answer that if it's too detailed of a question. How many of you know we were talking about this beforehand? When you get into a room like this and you open up for Q&A, you never know what kind of question you're going to get. But if you feel like it's too specific for your context and your situation, it probably is for the entire room. But these guys would love to serve you. We would love to serve you if we can answer more detailed questions post-session and be able to um, make sure we have enough general session questions as we go through. Everybody good? Awesome. All right, so we'll start with you, Ronnie. Um, as you uh, here at CFO, you guys manage the budget. But the beautiful thing I love about Church of the Highlands is you guys don't manage the budget from a place where you are doing so well. God has blessed you guys financially. Uh, and you are able to manage just a couple more zeros, honestly, but you manage it as if it's a church plant. The way that you guys think in your structure, you don't overspend because you have it. So you guys have an incredible amounts of resources coming into the church, but you're wise in how you spend it. Could you break down a little bit of how you guys spend your money as a whole in the percentage categories? Sure. Um, you know, one of the things to, to remember is it doesn't ever matter specifically where the decimal point is. If you follow the principles, the principles are always the same. And if you follow those, the decimal point will move for you. God will move that for you. So um, so for us, and so I may be redundant. Some of you may know this, but uh, our, our budget for the uh, current year is always based on 90% of the income of the previous year. So we always go into the coming year with a 10% margin. And so we do that because if for some reason giving stays flat that coming year, you still have margin in your budget. Uh, so, and so, so for us, out of that 90%, 35% is salaries and benefits. And so those two percentages are written into our bylaws, and we do not change them. They're sacred. You don't touch them. Uh, last year, we spent 32% of our budget, which ends up being uh, 40, uh, 22% of our total income, so, which is very small. But how we're able to do what we do is we have a great team of volunteers, our dream team that does that. And so one of the other deals for us or uh, um, uh, policies for us is just because it's in the budget doesn't mean you can spend it. You need to be, you you actually need to have a a real genuine need. So if there's a new soundboard that you want to, that the worship guy wants to buy because it has a new bell or whistle, if the old one's working, we use the old one until it breaks, then we buy a new one. And so you have to, you have to learn how to say, 
yes to everything that they want, but you have to decide what yes means. So the pastor always says yes to something, but then uh, they'll come to me and say, hey, Pastor Chris said yes. I said, that's great. It's my job to figure out what yes means. (laughs) So so we have worked through that. So uh, so again, like I said, 35% of is our uh, our, our salaries, our salaries, benefits, part-time, full-time, overtime, everything. Uh, we have about 10% of our budget that goes to our operating expenses as far as lawn care, um, uh, utilities, you know, those types of things. Uh, we have 10% that we put in savings, and actually we have have more than that. All of our margin goes into savings based on what our income is for that year. Uh, and then the remaining percentage uh, goes to ministries, so to the various ministries. 10%, we give 10% to missions. Last year, we actually gave 12%. Uh, so that's kind of the breakdown of the percentages. Those can vary a little bit, and they're going to vary for your church, especially a new plant. Uh, you can't budget a year out because you really don't have any history. So budget for a quarter. You know, So, so just anticipate what you think you're going to get for the first quarter. Uh, set your budget based on that, and then as income grows, then you can set for the next quarter. So don't try to look so far out because you can get overwhelmed with that. Just just work in the moment. Yeah, so one of the things I heard you say, I love that the decimal just moves. It doesn't matter now. So if you're a church planner, you're brand new, you're getting out of the gate, you go ahead, you're, you're in your head, go ahead and spend your money as if you're a year out so you can budget accordingly. When you get there, it doesn't change the game. You already The principles are in place. So Aaron, talk a little bit about your church and your context. How do you manage detention as a growing church, you need staff, yep. the resources may be there, but they may be allocated. How do you play in that field where it's kind of that tension of, man, we need some people, we got some money, but man, it's not dedicated for that. That's, that's a great question. Um, I came out of a church before we launched um, Radiant, our church in Tampa. Uh, the church I was part of was kind of an old established type church that had gone in free fall. So they were, their interest only mortgage payment every month was $84,000. And there was 300 people in the pews paying the bills. It was interest only mortgage. And so they were in free fall and just selling land and everything. So I, I left that scenario going, all right, if I don't do anything right with church planning, I'm just going to do money right. Cause I just, <laughs> I never want to be in that scenario. And so I remember coming to Highlands and listening to these guys and, um, and just trying to learn as much as I can. So the advice that was given to me is, is put your parameters in there um, so that you have your standards. Because when, when you are going to deal with money, that's a lot more decibels. You want to be able to make sure you have your parameters and your standards. But for us, we took it every quarter and we readjusted it. So we live off a 90% budget, but we live off a 90% budget of the previous quarter during that time. We've gone through growth seasons at a church that we're five years old as a church, um, we've gone through seasons of rapid growth and then seasons where it's not. When it's seasons of rapid growth, there's many times, and, and this is because we're, we're a little bit younger, portable locations, we don't have a mortgage yet, like all of those kind of things yet. So we have a lot more uh, flexibility in our finances where I can call a board meeting and go, listen, I know we're at 90%, which is you know this amount of personnel, but we are in a growth season. Can we adjust it in this season? So we, we've gotten flexible with that. And I would encourage you if you're in seasons of growth, um, you know, work off of those quarters. You know, we've done it in a, a half a year too when finances are tighter. But one of the best things we did is from the very beginning, and I would encourage you with this, is, I mean, our very first check we wrote was to missions. Still the very first thing we do every month is to give to missions. We've never gone below 10%. Our first year, we gave over 25% of our money to missions just because we didn't have any other bills. It was like, I was the only person on staff. It was awesome. And and because I wanted to, selfishly, I wanted to tell people five years out that our first year, we gave 25% to missions because I just wanted to set a standard for our church. This is what we do. Yeah, that's awesome. So Josh, and where you're at, are we back on? Is it going in and out? You good? All right, cool. So Josh, where you're at, not only do you have a growing church, you guys are just getting a building off the ground and you've got staff. So you've got a two more, another layer of tension. So now you got, we need more people. We've got more resources, but we're building a building. Talk a little about living in that space. Yeah, thanks, Greg. First of all, it's just an honor to be up here. And, uh, you know, I was sitting out there as a, you know, brand new pastor just a few years ago, four years ago. Now to be up here, I don't even, I'm just making up stuff, to be honest with you. So I'm just getting lucky. He's the only one. Right. He's the only one. Ronnie, all questions have, are really, yeah. But, uh, you know, like Aaron's story, we came in and we learned the Highlands way of uh, budgeting. 
before we started. So it kept us out of a lot of trouble. And I'm committed and have been from day one to the 90% of the previous year's income. Now we did the same thing. We worked it by quarters and moved it around, but we were able to live with a lot of margin early on. And I've been so committed to the 35% of staffing that one, one thing, pastors and, and leaders, one thing I want you to just maybe uh, push back on, maybe in your own mind, because it has to, you have to rethink church in a way, is to stop looking at, at, at to money as the solve all for that I need people problem. There's something called leadership development in the life of the church that uh, that can solve a lot of things, part-time hires, stipends, things such as that. But we've been able to, to stick to uh, this budget that we created and we've had to stay disciplined. Man, there's things that come out, little shiny things hanging out in front of us. You're like, I want that. Look at that LED screen. I want this. I want that. And you just have to say, that's not the answer right now. Because if I say yes to this now, I can't say yes to what God has for me later. So I'm, I'm going to be disciplined. And that pain of discipline is always less than the pain of regret later when you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole. So we've, we've stayed faithful. We've looked at We've looked at staff compensation studies that are done, churches our size, uh, churches are with our income, and we want to be as fair as we possibly can be and pay as much as we can. Some of our teams sitting in here for the position. You know, I'm not just paying, you know, the, the, the cheapest that I can. I'm trying to get the best people and with what we have. And then whatever scale I'm on, I keep the staff on the same scale, you know. Uh, I'm not on this other scale over here. So I've stayed on that. And then the building side, we're building a little over $17 million project right now. And we just poured our parking lot yesterday, everybody. So we are fired up. I don't know how we're going to pay for it, but. We're here. The guys from WIF, I know these other guys have worked with them as well. They're the most amazing people to work with when it comes to church financing, even savings accounts and things that we have with them. They've been huge in helping us with the vision. But. I'm rambling a little bit. What I want you to know is if you'll stay disciplined to those figures, 35% salary, over that, we're going to be faithful to that. I know everybody wants to get paid more. Who doesn't want to get paid more? Great thing, everybody. Man, you sleep good at night. And there are things that you just need to look at every penny. Great, man. That's great. So, Earl, I'm going to add another layer for you. Uh, So you've got the growing churches and all these guys pastor amazing growing churches. And you've got staffing that you've got to figure out how to work that in when you're growing and still keep pace with your budget numbers. You've got a building project you got to do. And then when Earl's situation, they just renovated a children's space. He's got a growing church, staffing, all the stuff going on. And somehow, some way, he still created margin that we've heard a lot referenced. Um, and I, I think what we see oftentimes is churches want a project done now, but they didn't think about it when they wanted it five years ago, so they don't have the money now to do it. You've been in a position to think ahead. Talk a little bit about thinking ahead, how to plan ahead. What kind of margin now do you want to have for later? Great questions again. I'm not sure why I'm up here, but thank you so much. (laughs) Um, uh, Honored to be here. Um, The margin piece, we learned this from Hodges as well, you know, um, and he's a master at it. My my pastor, his name is Rob Koch, and he's just an amazing man when I was on staff uh, at his church uh, those uh, seven years ago, eight years ago. he would say things like, if we are going to buy something, we're going to buy a building, we're going to buy a piece of property, I never want to need to grow in order to maintain that next level that we're going to. Wow. Wow. So he branded in my brain, if you can't do it at your current level, don't do it. Don't don't budget on anticipated growth. Don't budget on anticipated income. And it really just has saved me uh, and I think our team a, a lot of heartache. Uh, God has been very, very kind and gracious to our church for sure. And uh, it's beautiful to see, you know, what, what the Lord has done. Um, but we have not had the stress of finances. And I didn't know that that was I was not in the finance when I was an executive pastor. I wasn't really in the financial piece when I, I was like on the ministry side, you know, and kind of all of that stuff and the leadership development. I wasn't really with all the CFO and, and all those inner workings. But then, you know, you become the leader and you 
Got to familiarize yourself with all that stuff. Because uh, if not, the team will try to dictate to you where the money needs to go and what needs to happen. Uh, so it really was uh, beneficial to go, hey, here's what we want to be about. I really do want to have uh, this margin because I like living with the peace. Um, so again, a lot of the same principles you're hearing already. So I guess if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, uh, the, the, the same 10, 10% savings, you know, 10% at least, you know, tithing, uh, budgeting less than the previous year's income. And I was so foolish though. These guys are both smarter than me. I, I wish I would have known this. I wasn't doing the quarterly thing. Okay. I did it based on a year. So our church is growing. And I'm like, nope, we're not changing it. <laughs> Wrote it down. Oh, Raise up leaders so we have all this margin because I didn't know you could do it quarterly. So we killed a couple of people. Um, they used to love Jesus. They're now smoking crack. Somewhere. <laughs> 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 we sent them to Matthew Barnett at the Dream Center. And uh, no, uh, by God's grace, you know, we're able to, you know, keep everybody yeah. engaged. And but, but I just, even for me, you know, my salary, the t- everything was like, no, guys, we're we're gonna we're gonna do this. But I I didn't know. I didn't I didn't have the nuance. I didn't I didn't know you could massage things. So uh, even uh, I might be breaking a cardinal rule here because it's not the thirty five percent is not written into our bylaws. So at the beginning, uh, I think there was a time we probably budgeted forty percent. Now, it ended up actually being, you know, whatever to our actual income. You know, it's probably 25% to our actual income. But some of that that flexibility. So don't get so afraid and so, um, obviously, it's written in your bylaws. Do what your bylaws say. But but if it's not, you know, g- give yourself some permission to, to, to make some calls that, that you need to make. Uh, you know, a building just became available for us, you know, and WIF, again, these guys are the best as far as we're concerned. So if you want to find a place to not only put your money, but a place that will fund the things that, that you feel God is calling you to, we really encourage you to go this direction. But there's a building right across the street from our church. We already used the parking, and this 47,000-square-foot building came available. And we were like, we didn't have to do a capital campaign. That's great. We can go, you know what? It's available. We've been saving. Board, let's get together. Uh, this is what we think. This is what we're thinking. Was everybody think? You know, these guys even came and helped us kind of process through things. And we went, all right, let's pull the trigger. Uh, so uh, there was no stress, though. You know, and again, all this money has left the bank account, but we still have the margin by God's grace to keep on living peacefully and, and knowing that God's going to keep on taking uh, taking care of things. So I'm not sure if I answered your question. Oh, uh, you nailed it. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So speak. I'm going to lean a little bit more into what you talked about, Earl. Um, so. How do you say yes to vision when money says no? So from an executive past CFO position, speaking to the senior leadership, what do you would hope for your senior pastor? In your context, you guys are a little bit further down the road, but you still have some of these tensions that you've got to figure out how to manage the vision of what God's called the house to with the money that you currently have. And then from a senior pastor's perspective, you've got a lot of staff in the room. What would you want the staff, if your staff were coming to you and they were concerned about your vision matching up with your budget, how would you want them to have that conversation? Uh, yeah, in Luke, you know, it says that before man builds a tower, he count the cost, lest be, he be unable to complete it and be thought foolish. And so you should always have vision. If you don't have vision, you know, Scripture says people perish. And so always have vision, always have something out there that's bigger than you, that's more money than you have. You know, you should always have that. You know, because God said he can do above and beyond what we can ask or think. Yeah, yeah. And so you should always have that. But then you, you should never let the pressure of that force you into making a financial decision that you're going to regret. Because then you get, you're going to be under pressure. The people are going to be put under pressure. And then all of a sudden they're going to start leaving and you're going to wonder what happened. And so, um, so, you know, you can't let money dictate the vision. Uh, but you still need to, 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 to be sensible in how you, how you manage it. Plan for it. Be ready for it. Be ready for opportunity. That's one of the things that that um, you know that having margin does. When you have savings, uh, we we one of our campuses it was full. We were trying to figure out what to do, and all of a sudden a property became available. Um, it had been on the market for a long time. It was a twelve million dollar property. The bank that owned it or had repoed it 
they were being sold and they were being forced into a place where they had to uh, get rid of assets. And so we found out 30 days before the end of that year that we had to close on it. We went to them, we made a deal. We bought the $12 million property for $4 million. We had, we had the money in the bank. We were the only people who could close within 30 days. And so we got the property. So it's not a place we were looking, but it became available. So so we had vision for that campus. So you, so that margin helps you to be able to take advantage of a situation to fulfill the vision that you have. So That's really good. Yeah. To go along with that, awesome. the tension of vision and, uh, and budget is similar in my brain to the tension of talent and character. Uh, you can have people that are very, very talented, like they can sing really, really well. They don't have the character to manage being up on the platform leading people in worship. So what you have to do is take that person, hey, I'm glad you got this talent, but I got to take you on a process. I got to take you on a journey here to help you become who God is calling you to be. Uh, so this this position that we want to give you doesn't crush you. Uh, I, I think the same thing with vision. Vision can be like the talent, the talent, the talent, and you just want to put it out there and, and get it on the stage. Um, but, but too much of it without that character, without that financial piece, it'll end up crushing you. You'll, you'll, you'll push yourself beyond the place that your systems and, and the church is able to manage. And it creates so many other problems later. So if we can keep being committed to that which is underneath the surface, uh, the, the pieces of, of not only people's lives, but also the parts of the church that are underneath the surface, I, I just think it gives us the foundation to be able to move forward with the strength that we want to move forward with. Uh, at our uh, White Rock campus, we uh, just, just a few weeks ago, um, there was literally, uh, how do I say this politely, uh, the bathrooms uh, began to overflow. Uh, so, um, it wasn't White Rock anymore. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't White Rock. No, no, no. It was Brown Rock. <laughs> it was Brown, Yellow Rock everywhere. And I'm talking, it's nasty. Okay, it's just, oh my gosh. Great story. You know, it's going to be fun to talk about later, but that day when you got all these people coming in and out, and there's like a pool in the middle of your lobby, and people are squeegeeing, and it was, it was gross. But it was something that you couldn't see that was impacting everything that you could see. It was the pipes that were blocked up, that were messing with what we were trying to do on Sunday. And I just think all that financial stuff is all the piping. It's all the stuff that's underneath the surface. But if it's not in order, it'll shut down what you're trying to accomplish and, what, and the people that you're trying to reach. How do you help your staff? Um, Pastor Earl, when you, when you guys lead with such vision like you talked about, uh, and it's good to either you or Aaron too, uh, Josh, but when you've got that kind of vision for what God is doing and you've got the resources, but they're allocated somewhere else and you've got an executive pastor in your office, you're saying, hey, man, or hey, ma'am, we need to move the money. Hey, team member, we need to move the money and do something different because here's what the vision's calling for. How do you want that team member to receive that and process that with you as a senior leader? So they got to lead up and let you know, hey, that's great. You want to do that. But I want to remind you, we've got this other bill coming in due. How do you manage that tension? Because some of y'all live there a little bit. Yeah. None of your staff's in here, guys. You're good. You're good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't hear any amens down here, Josh. No amens here. We dismiss them usually <laughs> if they're not okay with it. The Lord has called them somewhere else. No, I'm teasing, of course. You know, that's a tough one. I've been on a large church staff and had to go through the process of having budgets moved around. And, of course, you've got this, you know, many times you've got these ideas in your own head as to what you want to accomplish in that area that God's given you to steward. And, I think it's just good if the staff member, the team member can always remember that this is one vision. You know, it's not one vision with 13 departmental visions. It's one vision. And we're here to support. Pastor, if you need a cut, give me a red pen. Let me get in there. I'll show you how to get five, $5,000. You know, I would give, if we were in a position where we had to do that, we haven't had to do that, but I'd ask the team member, hey, this is what's in your, in your budget. I need, you to, I need you to shave off 10, 15%. And that gives them the, the feeling like, hey, I've, I've got a little bit of a seat. I've got a seat at this table. I'd never, but, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. Some executive pastors, they're, you know, they're kind of wired a certain way. They're just going to say, well, we're cutting this, this, and this. And that's, that's a different pill you've got to swallow. 
And then you just got to find it in yourself to just rise above all of that. You say, I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to get angry because that's going to taint everything that God's doing here. And it doesn't matter if I had that money and my heart gets wrong. Man, none of this is going to happen anyway. So you just got to have great chemistry with that team. Uh, another point of that, too, is, you know, if if you're, you know, an executive pastor, CFO, business manager, whatever your position is, one of your responsibilities is to make sure a pastor has all the right information. So because because they're the ones who are going to be responsible for this in the end anyway. And so you want to make sure that they have accurate information, timely information. Uh, and so, you know, I've always found that they will always make the right decision if they have that information. So that's one of my most important jobs is to make sure Pastor Chris has the right information. <clears throat> but then the other thing is don't don't wait till you're at a place to see, can you save money somewhere? Always be looking for that. Always be trying to find that. I, I do that all the time. Uh, the, the guy back here, Kenny, raise your hand back here. I hired Kenny a couple of years ago. He's our purchasing agent. So Kenny's job is to find how I can get by a big pen for five cents instead of seven cents. <clears throat> you know? And so, so we have plenty of margin. We have plenty of money. But it's easy to spend somebody else's money. <laughs> you know? If it was your money, what would you pay? And so I'll always be looking for ways to save, even when you don't have to. So I love that because, so you've got a guy in the back and he goes and looks for deals. I mean, he's trying to shave money, save money. So here's what's beautiful about that. There's volunteers in your church that I promise you are coupon cutting queens. There's some people in your church that would love to go shopping on your behalf and save you money. My wife, if you want to hire her, I'm sure she would love to go shopping on your behalf. It'd be great for me too. But honestly, look for, they may have a staff person. Again, the decimals moved a little bit, so they hired somebody. You may not be in a position to go hire him to go save money on the pens, but you can find somebody in your church that's looking for a ministry to get engaged, and what a beautiful opportunity. You're going to save the kingdom money, and we're going to be able to reinvest it in the ministry. That's a great opportunity for you guys right now as a volunteer staff role. And you can, and you can um, say you don't have a ton of money to pay somebody whatever, a full-time salary, 250 bucks. You know, it's a mom, it's a dad, it's a student, it's somebody... 500 bucks a month. Hey, come on in here. What are you going to do? You can work. You said a 10 to 3 every day. Great. Come on in 10 to 3 Monday through Thursday. There's $500 stipend. It's a blessing to them. Don't dumb it down. Anytime we give anybody any money, we're like, you recognize. People are giving their tithes and offerings. So good, Earl. So that you can receive some income. I, this is holy money right here. Do not be, uh, whether they get uh, an executive pastor or they're just getting a, a small stipend, we try to give that value and worth to every single one of them. Um, but I love, you know, what all the guys are saying up here, you know, leaders, raise, raise them up. People want to do stuff. They want to be involved in things. And then as your church continues to grow, uh, we, one of our board members says, try before you buy. So good to go. Hey, right. uh, come on to the team. We're going to give you a thousand bucks a month. Wait, what do you mean? This is what we're going to do? And we're going to do it for this long? And we're going to see, make sure this is the right fit for you and the right fit for us. And, you know, it, every situation is different, but I'm just thinking you have a lot more flexibility than you think to think creatively, uh, keep it all within the budget, but just try to figure out how to make things happen because there's usually a way to make something happen. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with you, Aaron, because um, this is a really loaded question. So it works out great since you didn't get in on the last one. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a burden I carry. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> to talk about gym membership. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so thinking about, as you guys have planned and launched your church, if you could go back from day one, what would you do differently in finance at day one to where you're at today? Absolutely. Okay, two things um, that I would do different. One, I would have, um, and I know this is kind of contrary to a lot of things, I would have hired quicker. I was so tight financially, and I had this whole, um, anytime you make a decision based in fear, it's the wrong decision. And so I made bad hiring decisions. Um, I wouldn't hire based on the fear of the last job I came out of going, oh, that's going to be the thing that sets me in a free fall. So I, I, it was actually one, a, a board member actually challenged me. He's like, why are you, we were 500, maybe 600 people uh, before we ever had a full-time staff member at our church. It was stupid. 
So he asked me why we're doing it. I was like, well, I'm afraid that, you know, if we do that, we're not able to get pay for him. And he actually tells me, he's like, when did you start making decisions based off of fear? Wow. We, we have this thing on faith. So I would have hired people quicker. Um, I love the Highlands principle of 35%. I think there are certain seasons, if we're honest, that um, you're going into growth seasons. And if there is margin, uh, people are ministry. So when you're investing in people, I had to change my perspective of that. No, every time I'm investing in that staff member, that is ministry. That's another uh, few hundred dream teamers that are being raised up or outreach that's happening that I can get in that one salary. Um, another pastor told me hire lots and lots of part-time and few full-time. Well, we got to a place where we had 20 something part-times and it was, and it was draining me completely. So I would have hired more full-time. And then, um, anytime that I felt that, that the finances were not there where the budget was really tight. And I think this is, uh, maybe pastor Chris or one of those guys said it this way was anytime you feel like the money's not there, look for waste because God will always pay the bill. So if, 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 the, if he's not paying the bill, it's probably because you're wasting it. And I'll give you our example with this. Um, for us, we've just had to continually say no to things that um, are not that they're anti the vision. It's just that they're the primary motive behind buying it is because of Instagram. I'm telling you, it is. There is there is a, a, a demon called Nord. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's the Nord demon, okay? And like, uh, if you're a rep with Nord, I'm sorry. But my team told us our whole vision won't happen unless we have that same keyboard that they have at Highlands and they have at Elevation and they have everyone. Everybody's got to have that red keyboard on there. Well, we went four years and I said, it's not in the budget. I'm, I'm not going to just buy it because it'll look good on Instagram and because it's going to be a cool thing. Like, so we had to say no to things at first. And when we get through tight seasons, it's crazy how when you go out and buy stuff compulsively, or because it looks good online, or we had to do that, how it gets tight a month or two later, and it's, oh, maybe you shouldn't have wasted it there. Be good stewards and watch how God will bless you. That's great. That's great. Anything to add? From day one to today, what would you do differently? Uh, I wouldn't have been as tight early on. You know, I, I think I was, I was maybe too conservative, but then on the flip side of that, I look and say, had I not been, we wouldn't be in the position we're in today. Um, so, you know, I think that there were, there were maybe some risk I could have taken. And, but, you know, I'm thankful for the journey that we've been on and uh, where we are today. But, you know, if you, if you start thinking that money somehow going to solve all those problems, that, that's when you can get in some real trouble. So I just always try to keep the right mindset on that. And, you know, if I'm going to err on one side, it's going to be on being too conservative. That's for sure. Yeah, that's great. So one thing I love about ARC is it's family, right? So it's the good, bad, and the ugly. So I'm going to ask a couple of ugly questions uh, just because I think it's appropriate for the room. All of you have gone on a journey, and God has um, given you great influence. Your churches are winning. The kingdom's winning. We're better, all better because of it. But you've made some mistakes along the way, um, and that's inevitable for all of us. What is the one decision or one thing, or maybe it's a possibility that could have happened if it hasn't happened? What is the worst thing, worst decision you've made as it relates to the church's financial decisions that you've made along the way? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, this might be counterintuitive, but, um, well, this may be maybe more personal. Uh, but my wife and I, um, we actually dumped all of our money into the church when we first got started. And it created massive tension in our home. And we're launching the church, and the church is going very, very well. But, I mean, to be super honest, I had notices on my door at times because I was getting behind on my bill, my personal bills, because I was making so we had moved from one city to another city we thought okay no let's live on this let's give all of this to the church and we were just giving and giving and it, it was not wise it was not smart it was uh, a difficult time for sure we had other medical bills that really made that uh even more problematic so um again i i'm thankful that we had some good board members that were like hey um you okay yeah I'm fine. I'm doing great. I'm doing everything's wonderful. But, uh, you know, they can kind of peer in a little bit and go, hey, you know, we, we need to make some some adjustments here. So, you, you know, you can make sacrifices. And we're all for that. Obviously, you know, we did it. And um, 
you don't get into ministry to become rich, right? You know, that's not why you're like, hey, you know what? I really want to make the most amount of money I possibly can. Ministry, you know, that, that's not <laughs> the place where we go. Um, God's been very kind and gracious to us for sure. Uh, but that was a, a bad decision. And I also remember being on a staff team of a large church. And at times you're wondering, man, that tension of, I'm giving 110% here, but I still feel like I'm maybe not making all the money I would like to make. So I want to encourage you who are on the team and those who come to you and ask those types of things. One, it's always a heart check for sure to make sure individuals are in it for the right reasons, but then not to stigmatize individuals and say there's something wrong with you because you're wanting to do well by your family. Uh, I just think God is a provider. He is kind. He is gracious. Uh, and we have found at times we had a great, um, okay, I'll give you my last one. Then I'm, I'm going to be done talking. You talk about ugly questions. So this is, this is an ugly one. Um, I found out a number of our staff wasn't tithing a few years ago. And I personally wasn't the one checking that. Um, but our CFO came to me and was like, hey, I don't think. And I'm like, you're kidding. So we had a family meeting. That's great. We sat down. And I don't know how any staff person would ever think it's okay to be on staff, to receive tithe people's money, and not tithe That's themselves. Great, I, I have no idea. So we went on the board. If you get $1,699 in your paycheck, then your tithe is 100 Make it 70 $170. <laughs> you you. And this is what we're going to do. And if you haven't been doing that, hey, I still love you. But this is going to change immediately. And, uh, and I think me That's not great, keeping man. tabs love on that, that was, was something that was a mistake. So love that, was that. A long answer to a short question. That was great. Can I say one thing about this? Please, yeah. um, probably a, a, a trap that you can get in. And hopefully there's no worships or creative or technology people. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just say that if you will hold off for a little bit on the newest and best. It is, it is, it is so tempting. And here's what I've heard. And I finally got it. You know, I feel like your kids, your kids might not lie to you. Like mine do mine, mine, like try to get their way of doing it. You can kind of catch on. I caught on to our teams where they go, pastor, I know it's more expensive, but if we buy this, we'll have it forever. You heard this lie? We've never had anything forever. We're only five years old. We've upgraded our sound system three times. It doesn't make sense to me because it's going to be, oh, but this one computer will have forever. It's the newest of us. It's not. In a few months, that computer is going to be a little bit cheaper. You can do it. I mean, we buy this video wall. So if you'll just hold off of, you know, what is it? You know, hold off of what you want now for what you want most. You know, right now we, we don't have the, the facility that, that our dream home yet. So we're, we're just pushing lots of money away. And we actually had our CFO talk to our staff and say, hey, we're a family and we're saving for our dream home. So we're going to give up what we want now for what we want most. So we're not upgrading technology and we're not going to do that. I know you want to, but listen, it will be better in the future. So I think that vision, keeping it in front of people. That's a great uh, segue to the, the thing I wanted to ask Ronnie and Josh here in the middle of building programs. When do you start saving? And what percentage of your budget did you start saving to get to where you could do the buildings? And you may have to go back a little ways as far as the history of the church and how many buildings you have now. But back when you're starting on your first, second, third, you know, when did you start? Well, you start saving at the beginning. You never don't save. So for Highlands, they met Portable for almost seven years and saved money. They had $16 million saved up before they even bought property. Incredible. And so they knew where they wanted to go. Um, and so, um, so they were just disciplined in, we're not going to do it. And so, um, so, so you just, you just, you have to be, you know, determined of what you want the most right. and save for it now. And so you, you save from, from the very beginning. Yeah. You know, there's not a point when you start. So His with that, there was an accountant, right? Uh, Pastor Pete's dad was like, yes. Controller or comptroller yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So I'm so glad that, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm so glad that he... Um, is like a leader in the body of Christ right now because he has brought in a lot of financial stewardship wisdom that is trickling into all of these churches. I mean, you didn't hear people saving 16 million. Well, 
you still don't hear people say sixteen million, <laughs> but at least uh, yeah, you have somebody that has had this um, this conviction, right? And obviously, you're helping him live this out, and the rest of the team. This conviction of financial stewardship that's not just based on hey, give ten dollars and God's going to give you a thousand. You know that was kind of the theology, you know, back in the day. That obviously we know is no, no, never mind. Uh, but you. you, you I just want to say thank you, I think, to the way you guys have modeled it because it has helped, like, the body of Christ, not just, like, your church, but but all of us. So, Well, you know, when, when you look at the, the story of this master who gave the, the servants the talents, you know, there's a little phrase in there that we tend to skip over because it says, you know, he gave it to them according to their abilities. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, you know, when you, when you read the story, you think that the master was disappointed or, or surprised when he came back and the one had only had buried the talent, and he wasn't surprised. He, I'm convinced he had done this exercise before because he knew what the, what the abilities were. And so the one who had the most ability, he gave the most to. <clears throat> and so it's not that you, but you develop those abilities. You can be born with them, but you have to develop those are the, the principles. And so if you do that, then not only, you know, will you, well, what you have be blessed, but he'll give you more. He'll trust you with more. So that's really good. And I think what I hear you saying, too, is if, if you want God to give it to you, surround yourself with people who can manage it, you know? So if you're praying for it and believing for it, you know, the, the uh, Bible opens up and God formed the earth and then he filled it. If he didn't have a form in your church and people to form your budgets, he's not going to fill your budget because it's going to be a waste of money. So make sure you've got a good form and a solid foundation in order to know where there's dollars and have people who can manage it, even at a volunteer capacity. I heard a couple of you guys mention, hey, I've got some elders. I've got some, some folks on our board here helping us manage our money. It's okay that you're a pastor. You're not called necessarily to be an incredible, you know, finance director, but God has called you to recruit people that are. So bring some people around you to help facilitate that. Uh, Josh, so we are in the building project. You guys saved an extraordinary amount of money before you got into your space. How do you protect the savings that you have? When you put it in the savings, are you in your head directing and go, okay, this amount of my savings is for building. This is for uh, a dip on the Sunday after Easter. Um, Y'all have those, right? Yeah, that, that little dip there. Um, how, do you, how do you allocate those savings dollars to make sure that they are locked in when, and loaded when you're ready for a building? If we're not using it, if it's allocated to savings, you know, that's for whatever God wants it to be and we plan for it to be. You know, the plans of the diligent lead to plenty. That's what the scripture says in Proverbs. So we, we started planning, okay, what would life look like if we had a mortgage payment yeah. on a building that would actually serve our needs for where we're going, not where we are now. What does that look like? And let's start pretending like we're paying for it by putting it in savings. Yeah. You know, that's one way to think through it where you can start preparing. What does that really look like? Because, you know, before you start planning, budgeting out a new a building project, you don't really even know what a building costs whenever you're paying a high school and the you know, Johnny, the custodian every week, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. what does it mean to actually have yeah, really some of these facilities and learning how to, to set that aside. And again, you got to be disciplined. And I think senior pastors that are in here, it starts with you. Mm. I, and I'm a little more detail oriented. God just gifted me that way. I don't mind the details. I like them. I like getting in there and looking at those things, but I've heard, I've heard some lead pastors say details aren't my thing. Well, buildings aren't your thing. And growth isn't your thing. And you've got to buy in at least to the point where you invest on having a great mind in the room with you right. that's holding you and that's your right. yeah, thoughts really <laughs> and dreams from God somewhat within a boundary because God will call, call you to stretch your faith. But I don't believe that he's calling you to do something maybe even in the moment that would stretch you and break you. So he's he's growing your faith, he's building you, but he's called us to be wise and responsible stewards as well. So you start really planning for that. So when we put it into savings, my whole thing from day one, I'm not launching another campus. Now I celebrate guys that have campuses. I'm sitting next to two friends here that have great campuses. But for me, I saw that as a as an attack on my my cash flow. Because I don't know if these other campuses are gonna pay for themselves. I'm not gonna give just to my friend over here who's got this ministry mm -hmm. going just because I want some favor with them. No, we've got a budget for missions. Yeah, right, yeah. 
I'm not trying to get invited to any special rooms. I'm, I'm just right. I'm doing right here. That's great. What I'm yeah, supposed love to that be doing. That's really good. Plotting gave us, you know, yeah. 28 acres of land in yeah. a great location. Now yeah. where we live, it's a lot cheaper to buy than where these guys are. We're, we're east of Houston, about 30 miles, but it, it gave us opportunities, mm, and we were good. prepared for the opportunities because we had been uh, conservative. Yeah. Not too tight, but borderline, you guys. <laughs> you know, maybe at times we were. And then uh, we, we had every penny accounted for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think some of you, the guys at WIP were, were bragging on us for our books at one point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not bragging on me, but I didn't do the books. So my wife, Kara, and her team, they, they handled every penny was accounted for. Yeah. Like everything. We weren't like making up stuff. Yeah. Well, what's, that, what's this charge for? I don't know. Uh, Mission. Discretionary. Yeah, discretionary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what it was for. We trained our team early on and we didn't do everything right. I mean, of course, we made mistakes, but, you know, thank God for His grace. But we're, where we are, because man, once it went into savings, if I ain't pulling it out for land or a building, I don't know if I'm pulling it out. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Trailers. That'll get you in trouble today. Hey, so <laughs> back. Yeah, you guys are your own country over there. Um, hey, so you guys prepare your questions. We'll ask these guys one more, and then we'll go into the audience to ask some questions. But uh, give us, you talked, you opened it up, Ronnie, uh, and talked about, hey, the principles matter no matter where the decimal's at. So if you guys could kind of think real quickly on what is the one principle that you feel like has been your guiding principle to managing money well to where when God said go, you could go without the strings attached of worrying about what was going to happen financially? Uh, you know, just one word comes to mind, and it's always a margin. Yeah. Right. As much margin as you can have yeah. and still do the vision. Because yeah. right. God will open a, a, a short window for you to do something, and you have to be ready when that window opens. So. Yeah, yeah. Aaron? I think uh, uh, integrity is, uh, is an overlooked um, trait. That if you probably one of the worst things is we're gonna raise it for this, but use it for this. Wow. And I'm telling you, you can get away with it, but I'll tell you, you'll see your budget start tightening. And it's not because your people know, it's because God knows. And I'm just think I just think he's he's so good at resources. To think that he owns, you know, the cattle on a thousand hill, and if you're not getting those bills paid, it's not on his fault. I think it's because he's looking down and going, There's there's an ability, there's a stewardship process issue here. So I would just make sure, man, that we are we are really good at we've made commitments before that it could have been so easy for us to break those commitments because this thing looked better or this thing would have gotten more people in the church. But man, stick to your word. God knows it. And integrity is is your most valuable asset you've got. Man, I can't really make that any better what these guys have said, but maybe stewardship, just the idea that it's not mine, it's God's. And when you start looking at the money as God's money, it really makes you think about how you're going to spend it differently. Not only am I accountable to God, but look at these people out here. She cuts hair and she gives. She got two kids. Man, that $200 is precious to God. It's precious to me. And if somebody gets an attitude about, man, I need this and that, we're listen, man, we ain't got time for that. Go find somebody that'll put up with that because we're not doing that. And, and our team has that heart, and it's precious to God. You know, when we, when we make those promises to people, hey, we're raising money for this. We've never done a campaign. Know where we're at. And then doing what you say you're going to do. Oh, man, people are, now that we're building, people do it and then remind them of what you said and what you just did and then now they're like we can buy into this guy uh last one i probably uh
step and lead in generosity and um, let the church know this is how. Um, and I, this is definitely not something you have to do, but I stumbled upon it when we were just getting started in our church. Um, some Robert Morris talk about the first 1% going to Jewish, you know, you know, uh, evangelism to the Jews. And somehow I stumbled on that. And then some other guy randomly came up to me. He was talking to me like, hey, you know, are we going to be reaching out to, to the Jews? And I was like, well, maybe this is you, Lord. So uh, first 1%, you know, our percent or percent of our. What do you mean, all of those? Uh, when I say all, I mean all. I look at everyone. <laughs> For Church of the Highlands. Yes. <laughs> Any dollar amount? Uh, anything over 400 bucks. It okay, used to be okay. 250, wow. but it got to be too many. I had to sleep at some point. So we changed it to 400. That's but incredible. I, I look at all of those. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's great. No, that's they have but it's the only I, exactly, way. I agree. That's right. You can't control what you don't know. Yeah. So you, you have to look at it. And so just, again, like just because it's in the budget doesn't mean we need it. If you need it, we're going to spend it. We want you to have all the things that you need. You got to have a soundboard so people can hear. You know, you got to have lights. You know, there's things you have to have, but you don't have to have the newest and greatest yeah. those things. Yeah. So, uh, so, so that's you know, for us. You know, they they do have uh, input into the budget, but not the final say. You know, we hired uh, a business administrator to come in uh, when our church went through kind of a bigger season of growth. And um, I, to be honest, our, our budget was a little out of hand because we, we didn't have the structure in place. So she did exactly what you're talking about, yeah. where she basically took the last year and broke it up and go, okay, here's their four or five categories, mm-hmm. here's what was spent, yeah. and then went to those departments and said, okay, give me your dream budget for this. So then she took that from that n- the number and was able to calculate it. And then it was me and her sitting down for a long time going, oh man, we can adjust here, yeah. we can adjust here. So um, I think there's there's ways to break it down in that, but giving them buy-in to the fact of man they have a budget, they're able to, to be an input into it. Yeah, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yes, ma'am. So. I am part of a church, and we have been portable for nine years, um, and we are about to, we just broke ground, they're pouring awesome. the puddings this week. Awesome. So, cool. so I, kind of along the lines of you saving into the savings account for the mortgage, I don't know if any of you guys have experienced this, but we're trying to figure out what we do with the budget that we now have to fill for the mortgage and the power and the water and all of that, but also for the the trailers that we were buying, because we were buying a trailer a year, the boxes that we had to replace, like, what do you, how do you take a budget and go from portable to permanent? Because we can figure that out with all of our ministries easily, but I'm like scratching my head on how I do it financially, because mm. everything changes, yeah. it flips. Well, that's a really I mean, good yeah. office spaces, we've got all of these events that we have other places that we now have the budget for to, where do I put that? Yeah, that's a good question. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're going you're to shift some expenses from portable to that building because yeah. now you're yeah. gonna you're gonna have you know a bigger light bill you're gonna have lawn care, you know, lawn care. Yeah. you're gonna have you know um uh, uh liability insurance and property and casualty insurance you're gonna have a lot of things yeah. you know you know maintenance on that building things that you yeah. didn't have before and so you know um the the architects for that would be able to tell you here's what the average expenses for this building is going to be, so you can budget, you know, for that and for insurance and all those types of things. And then you you look at what does that building replace, and so then we take that money, you know, if you, if you still operate, you know, the 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 ministry part of what you're doing without having to spend the dollars on the operation piece, you put that into your margin at that yeah, point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say definitely go the uh, conservative, go as conservative as you can, keep it as tight as you can because you don't know the things that you don't know, yeah. know yet. So uh, it just helps you again create that margin, that peace in your in your mind. Uh, but if you're spending two thousand dollars on sisterhood, you know, at whatever venue that you're going to, and now you get to have it at church, we'll take that two thousand and let's put it someplace else for that margin, and we'll see six months from now, three months from now, where mm-hmm. where. Do we need that money for the event, or do we not need that money, or can we put that money someplace else now? But I, I just think, 
keep on keep on saving that yeah uh, screw now it'll, it'll set you up for the future really good yeah and i think also your church will get excited about that as well because mm. you're going hey we're going from permanent or portable to permanent and we need your help bridging that mm -hmm. so there'll be a lot of people that'll step up to the plate and really yeah. help with that so next question yes ma'am i know you were talking about having your staff have buy-in setting up their own departmental budgets do you ever have any are they liable like at the end of the year or quarter or whatever oh. when you review the budgets uh, daily absolutely yeah <laughs> well if you know uh, the accounting system that we have once the once the budget's approved then we set limits in there and so if they try to spend over that the system won't let them do it and so then they have to come and ask permission to shift something and so you know if they over budgeted for you know crackers for kids and under budgeted for diapers you know then we'll adjust the budget accordingly you know to to, to accommodate that but yes they're they're held liable for that you know and you know I, I give all this our campus pastors they all have uh, a report that I give them on how much income they got, how much money they spent, if they're in a new building, how much that, that money that building cost. You know, so some of them are, get a little cocky with you know their percentage of income, but then when they have to pay what could be a mortgage, yeah, then exactly, it's yeah. a bit different. Don't wake them up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes, um, you spoke about accounting systems, so um, I work in accounting, so I, I, we're so used to using the like QuickBooks or whatever. What's a good accounting system that we can use for the budgeting as well as the the fund accounting and the accounting for those? Um, you know, there's a lot of good uh, software systems out there. The, the one we use is Shelby Next, uh, and we use it because there's an interface with it with uh, the contributions module and so it'll create the journal entries for me i don't have to go in and create new journal entries you know, for that uh, and, and it's, it's designed you know to go up to a lot of different campuses so for us we have 20 campuses now and so we just use a different fund code for each campus but we use all the same accounting codes for the whole thing and so it, so it makes it easy to do that uh, but find something that's still going to fit the need that you have yeah because we know, use planning center right now yeah so so whatever fits you best okay. it is, is what you want to use whatever you're comfortable with whatever mm -hmm. you can operate in some accounting systems are very complicated and so find something that, that's simple to use right yes sir um, so I'm curious to know, pastors. Um, who, uh, at what point did you start hiring? Who was your first hire? Who was your first full-time hire? What position did they play? And how did you figure out how to compensate? Mm. Good question. Yeah. I think every uh, every setting is different. Yeah. I get okay. I get asked that question all the time. Who yeah. should I hire first? Well, who do you need first? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where's your what's hottest on your plate right now? Because mm -hmm. you may have great dream teamers operating within their gifts and they love what they're doing and they're highly competent and they can take care of it for this season. So I think it's up to you know each setting. Uh, we've used different scales. Uh, Leadership Network has a pay scale that's out there that you can get, you know, kind of by your church size denomination, if you're a denominational church, region of the country. Uh, there was another that I use. I think it was called the Church Ministry. Church Compensation. Yeah, that's it. Church Compensation Survey. That's what we used early on, uh, and we still use. We use Leadership Network a little bit this year as well. But it, it just gave us a great op opportunity to to just look. Hey, what should a children's person get paid part time? This region of the country. This level of education. Where are we? Let's let's go there. It's not just a number you pull out, you know, you know, out of the air. At least we've never done that. We've always tried to stick to some type of a scale. We've got time for a couple more. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, my wife and I do bookkeeping for a bunch of churches, and um, we have everything set up like the ARC system, and um, um, we're trying to figure out a good balance of offering suggestions and helping, but also not, you know, crushing dreams and, and souls. And uh, um, so, you know, this, dreams and souls. This, this example, <laughs> this example would never happen. But if a client says, "Well, we have to empty the bank account because it's Easter," um, you know, how, how do we offer valuable input as just kind of, "Hey, we're just the helpers." Um, you know, kind of balancing and, and assisting with that. So you, you you don't you know work on the staff. You're not on the staff team. They're like like contract. We do both, but yeah, more on the, the contract side, I guess. Um, or, or I, I, well, I could probably help you with that. Yeah, from an administrator, we, we would be like we would be what WIF does would be a third party. Uh, <laughs> we would be lending for churches, so um, we have to tell churches, hey, listen, your margin's not there for you to handle the loan that you have. So, but we try to lean into it's a it's never a no, it's a yes but. 
So it can never just be a flat out, absolutely not, this is never going to work. It's like, no, 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 this, yes, it will work. But here's some steps you got to take to get in a position where you can make that work. Mm-hmm. So I would never be hard line with them, and we're never hard line with them. It's always a yes, but here we go with the how we get there. That's good. And that'll save the relationship and probably keep your picture. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is kind of a twofold question. So with, as a church plant, you don't have a lot of staff members, but you have to manage finances. And how do you manage the integrity of that, of knowing there's not as many layers to, like, you can't distance yourself as much from the finances when you're smaller. Mm-hmm. And so how do you oversee that? Josh, you mentioned that your wife does your bookkeeping. My wife does our bookkeeping, too. And so there's obviously some integrity you want to manage there. And then as you grow, then you require even more oversight because you're distance yourself from it. So kind of how do you manage the integrity to make sure you remain above reproach, your staff remains so above reproach, and you can just have an answer in line? Yeah, well, that's a great question. We always had an out. We always had several sets of eyes looking at our books from day one, and uh, you know, Kara would oftentimes take the receipts, take the the different things, the transactions, and she would give it to one of our ladies on the team, and they would enter it into QuickBooks. So Kara's responsible for it, but she's not actually doing it. There's always accountability, an extra set of eyes that are on that. Uh, you know, we've got real strict protocols on how we handle money from the time. I mean, we don't have, we never have a moment where we take money back to the office or to our home mm-hmm. from Sunday. We're portable. We have a police officer. It's already counted. It's already done the way the, the bank likes it at the school with the team, and it goes straight to the bank. So, you know, we just never wanted to put ourselves in a position where, hey, Kara's car got stolen. Oh, yeah, there was a $50,000 of cash in there. <laughs> yeah. Don't, you know, and then. Kara shows up and she is this person. <laughs> <laughs> really weird. Not turn this whole thing around. You <laughs> 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 <He's> faithful. <laughs> <laughs> the, the annual report to you know is what you're, you're, you're giving is done. We don't always listen. We get percentages. And, you know yeah. our trustees. Mm-hmm. They they look at the books. They 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 hold us accountable. There. We we went to a, we had a year. And I think you got to use wisdom as to who you bring on to that team. Um, they got to have your heart, your vision, mm-hmm. but also be willing to tell you no mm-hmm. and be honest with you. And we have that on our team. We're thankful for our trustees. But they, they take a look at everything, and they we look at it every year together at the end of the year, get ready for the next year, mm-hmm. and I propose to next year's budget. So we've never really, like, worried about how distance, how far we are away from it. it it's more like who else is looking at it. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot high level of transparency there. That's right. Though. Does that make does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. All right, we got one more episode. It's gonna be the best one we've asked yet. I hope. <laughs> um, you talk about Pastor Hodges says yes, but people have to come to you and have that discussion and you figure out what yes really means. So my question for you is sitting in your seat, say you're uh, part of the campus leadership team, sits down and plans out the calendar for the year. Are you involved in that meeting? How does that look so that you know what's coming down the pipe? Yeah, so I'm on our executive team. There's nine of us on that team. So we're all involved in, you know, all the events and all the planning, you know, um, know, anything that's going to be happening. We talk about campus launches, you know, how many of you think they'll be, where we think they are. Uh, You know, we all, we talk, we all decide. The, the hires, I, know, I set the percentage of, you know, number of hires that we can hire to stay in budget, but then we all challenge all those hires, you know, of, of do you really need it, is it necessary, you know, if you, if you launch a campus, you're going to have to have a campus pastor, but you don't have to hire a receptionist, you know, because you can do Sunday without that, and so, so we challenge each other on those hires, and so, so, so we're all involved, you know, in, in that, in that decision making and in that process so we know what's going to be happening. It's good. Yeah. Good thank you. So uh, thank you again, guys. Can we give them yeah, the absolutely. Uh, Just incredible. Hey, so let me tell you just a quick 30-second overview of who we are uh, and why these guys are uh, speak so highly what God's allowed us to do. But uh, the Wesley Investment Foundation, uh, we serve two different groups of people and everybody's represented in this room. Either you have money or you need money, and you fit into one of those categories. If you have money, we're a great place to put your uh, liquid demand deposit savings account dollars. 
you're going to get a much higher rate of return. So if you have money in savings that's sitting there, whether you're raising money for a new church plant, you're raising money for a building, it's going to sit at WIF. We're going to use that money to give in a form of a loan to another church that's already reaching people for the kingdom. But while your money's parked there, it's reinvested to the kingdom, and you're getting a great rate of return. Right now, our interest rate, anything over $35,000 is 3%. So it's 0.08 in the market, in the secular market. And you don't know what those dollars are being used for. You put it at WIF, you're getting a solid interest rate and a solid eternal return as well. Then if you're in lending and you need lending, we've been doing it now for 70 plus years. Matter of fact, two of our loan officers are there in the back. Um, so if you need lending questions or trying to position yourself for future lending, they'd love to help you kind of talk through our process. We're not federally regulated, which frees us up from the burden of having to check so many boxes. And it's super highly relational. So if we can serve you either with the money that you have or the money that you need, we'd love to have a conversation with you and help in any way that we can. So, um, Pastor Earl, will you do us a favor? Yes. Um, and you didn't have to be recorded. This one can be non-recorded. Okay. Like yeah. No, but would you just pray? What oh, God's done in your church at Shoreline City is amazing, alongside these other guys as well. But will you just pray for the anointing of uh, the favor of oh, God on their Lord. ministry? That would be my honor, yes. Uh, Father, thank you so much for how good you are. Uh, thank you that you're on our side, that you're fighting battles. We need to know that you're fighting, uh, that you are putting things in order, that we need to know that you're putting in order. So we just give you praise for your goodness, uh, that you are with us, for us, and leading us and guiding us into all truth. Father, I pray over all of my, my brothers and sisters in this room. I ask God that each of us would continue to honor you behind the scenes and up front. I pray that we'd fall more in love with you than any bit of popularity, any bit of insignificance, any bit of influence. Jesus, may you be our first and foremost. May you be number one in our families, number one in our hearts, number one in our minds, number one in our churches. We ask that we would decrease and that you would increase. We do pray for less of us and more of you. All we really want is your kingdom to advance. All we really want is for your name to be made known. So God, would you use every single one of these churches for your cause? and for your glory. We pray for a fresh outpouring of your spirit. We pray for new fire. We pray for fresh insight. We pray for clear ideas. We ask for unity on teams. We pray, God, there to be such synergy and momentum. And those of us who might even be in a, a tough spot right now, we thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Yes. That you're able, God, to tear down strongholds. So would you do the impossible and would you shock all of us with how you're able to use our lives and our ministries for your glory because God this is not about us this is all about you so let your kingdom come let your will be done let it be on earth as it is in heaven in every one of our communities and every one of our families and every one of our lives in Jesus name we pray amen, amen. amen. amen.